Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Earl here uh, with Dan, and welcome to the Startup Mindsets podcast. We're pretty excited, actually, to have here uh, one of, one of our, our good friends, actually one of uh, my best friends, Kelly. Yay! Who, who's not just, you know, has many different facets to her, but an extremely impressed with her career and someone who really embodies, uh, for at least for me and for Dan, the embodiment of startup mindsets in many different ways, right? So... You know, Kelly uh, started off her career as an aerospace uh, engineer, actually on, on computer science as well, and then kind of evolved her career towards the sustainability side, which I got kind of impressed too, right? Because sometimes she just have one specific track, and she kind of laid out the groundwork uh, when she was in Raytheon Company, which is one of these big, actually now the largest aerospace company in the world, ironically. Right? So you just um, got merged. <laughs> yeah, I got merged with UTC. But uh, Kelly was in the leadership development program there, kind of hobnobbing with the executives of the Fortune 100 company, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and then afterwards, um, you know, she called me and said, hey, by the way, um, you know, I'm going to go start investing into real estate. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, how did that happen? Right. And, um, you know, obviously over time she's built this really amazing portfolio uh, with her husband, Max, in real estate, mostly in Florida and other places. But, uh, you know, definitely the advocate of the FIRE movement, financially independent, retire early. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I envy her because I just see her traveling the world uh, with her FIRE lifestyle, which is amazing, right? Uh, something I think all of us aspire to be. Um, and, you know, one uh, amazing thing, too, is that she then calls us up and said, hey, by the way, um, because I'm in a fire category, then I really want to give back to my school and I want to do like become like the head of math for my high school. I'm like, wow, like from aerospace engineer to as an investor and now as a math competition um, teacher, right, which is something that you don't hear very often. And right now. Um, pretty excited that she's now diving uh, from her both technology and investing skills and going into the venture capital world um, and also the coaching world, right? Uh, so kind of merging the two together. So we're super excited to have here none other than Kelly Lee. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. Wow, you follow, you remember everything, even like the math stuff. <laughs> yeah, year. yeah. I mean, it's good. Right? <laughs> I think that's something that we like in Startup Mindset is that you know, oftentimes uh, we see uh, the best people that have this mindset, not afraid to take really bold moves in their life, in their career. And uh, I think uh, our audience would want to learn definitely from you uh, Yeah, on, on your journey. So uh, I don't know, Dan, any, any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot to unpack, right? Like with... Uh... <laughs> I wanted to be a math teacher and, you know, being an engineer to, to real estate, to, to VC. And you're also a podcast host, uh, Kelly Wright, which is uh, the DH Delivering. Yeah, I work with Delivering Happiness as well. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm actually recently their ops, ops lead as well, operations lead, because I was doing um, a lot of operation management at Raytheon. So anyway, so I just wanted to jump in and help them out with ops. Sort of like a fractional thing. Uh, I feel like this is sort of the future of work too. Um, you don't just, you know, how I remember in Raytheon, I often have two roles at once. Like, because I, maybe it's just me, I like want to do two things. And I sometimes split my time on two different, like, 
totally different thing, like program management, and I would be like sustainability management, something like that, right? And then I see that the future of work is that you would do this now with multiple companies. It's not just multiple business units within a corporation, but the entire world is your client, is your boss. Like everybody is <laughs> sort of like you can choose who you want to work for or end with. Gotcha. So, so I, I don't know too much about delivering happiness. What, what is delivering happiness in, in your uh, perspective or in your like understanding so, so we could get a better sense? Yeah, so delivering happiness actually started off as a book by Tony Shea, who was the CEO of Zappos. Um, he wasn't mm. really the founder, but he was a VC that invested into Zappos. He had an IPO before, like, you should read the book, actually. Uh, super entrepreneurial guy. And uh, I just found, um, I found a company really through looking through a list of companies I would want to reach out with because I was doing coaching, to be honest. And their name just like popped up to me. It's like delivering happiness. I actually never read the book when I first reached out and started writing for them. But then later, my cousin, who's also a founder, uh, he's like, he's a tech founder. And he's like, have you ever read the book? It's so good. And I was like, really? Like, and then I read it. I was like, wow. Like, I felt like, you know, I kind of went, I felt like I went through the same journey as he did, except, you know, he went through it in a much bigger way. I feel like we're, you know, here to kind of find our purpose and passion in life. And, and I think that's what delivering happiness is. So what happened is that delivering happiness from a book, it became like an international sensation about 10 years ago. Uh, so it's in like 26 different languages all, all over the world. And um, I think it's still like a few months ago, we went on like a bestseller list again, because I think at this time people are looking for something about happiness and then maybe they Google about happiness. I'm not sure. Uh, but what we do is we, we, after the book, we actually research a lot more on positive psychologies and like workplace happiness. And we use that. We use this framework to help companies around the world with their employee engagement and also developing their company purpose, even team purposes, doing leadership alignment and all sorts of things. So that's what uh, we're a consulting company. So the podcast is for us to sort of actually, that's our value, I believe, number six, which is to inspire, to, to be inspired and to inspire. So like I want to get inspired by our guests. And then we inspire other people, our audience, with a podcast. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. It's funny how you uh, mentioned uh, Tony Shea, the, the CEO of Zappos. I think uh, we had a guest on our podcast named um, a few episodes back named named Akshay Krishnaya, and he was saying how uh, when he was uh, he was a uh, uh, I guess earlier in his entrepreneurship um, time, he he tried to reach out to Tony Shea to to do a deal with Zappos to run banner ads, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, totally small world. You probably know Tony Wright or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tony's our founder, um, a co-founder with Jen, and Jen stayed on. Uh, Jen's still the CEO. Uh, yeah, actually, it's, it's birthday coming up. I guess we're all supposed to write him a birthday card. We do, like, virtual birthday cards. Because, actually, our entire team is distributed around the world. Um, we don't have an office. So we've been remote working 
or at least the team has been remote working since like the inception of the company. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What is the what is the DH uh, consulting program do? Is it more of um, kind of getting um, companies to adopt this psychology? Is it getting individual people like executives to kind of become more mindful? Like what is the objective, I guess, of, of DH? Yeah, so there's multiple frameworks that we use. So we actually would educate a bit on the science of happiness and how that's related to uh, corporate or organizational success and also uh, team culture development. Uh, so we always, so one of the frameworks is me, we community so that you figure out your own purpose and passion and then you connect it with we which is your team and then your community so sort of so that's sort of one of the framework and and if you look at happiness a lot of people mixed up happiness and pleasure also uh pleasure is you know maybe eating a piece of candy or um those company perks right or Mm -hmm. it's more external and then there's passion that's the next level it's when we're in a state of flow when we're doing things like it, time just like flies and you you just don't mind keep doing you know what you know that you've been doing this whole time i'm sure we all went through that like some people it's like when they're playing basketball some people it's like when they're playing video games some people could, could be your work well if you have that in your work that's really amazing right because you love what you're doing and then the next level is really purpose so there's your own purpose and then there's a bigger purpose that's even bigger than you so what we do is we we help company do we start with the leaders first usually i mean we we usually does a, do a custom thing but um we usually have leadership alignment because if the leaders are not aligned with the company's purpose then then it really affects everything else. But yeah, so what we do is several services. We do keynote speaking. So that's the inspiring part. So we inspire. And then we also do a, we have um, just kind of like a standalone service and like workshops that we do. So virtual workshops. Usually, actually it used to be all in person. Because of COVID, we have time to develop it now to that now we can develop um do it worldwide without traveling but yeah we have dh japan dh spain like different people from different parts of the world to do these kind of things and then the last thing we, that we do other than workshops is actually we do long-term coaching and consulting for the company and develop their entire culture strategy we talk about how strategy and culture like you really have to have them have lunch together. There's a, I remember there's a saying, I forgot who said it, but culture eat strategy for lunch, <laughs> right? Uh, but mm -hmm. it's really, uh, you know, branding is what you, what you say you do, right? Strategy is the plan of what you want to do. Culture is what you really do. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, right. Like you can't, you can't, like, if you think about it, it's sort of like weight loss. If you're just gonna, um, if you, you, there are a lot of ways to lose weight. There's a lot of way to scale a company, to grow a company, but if you don't consider your culture, kind of like your preference, like what you normally do, like 
for example, like if you hate playing basketball, but some people like play basketball really well, and you know, so like you can't use basketball playing basketball as a way to weight loss. But you actually enjoy doing this thing that you're planning on doing. This is actually going to work. So when you implement strategy, you really have to consider your company's culture. Right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, it seems like you work with a mix of different companies, and they all probably they have, may have similar culture, but at the same time, they're trying to change the culture at the through through your help. Um, yeah. How how do you exactly? Um, just go about, uh, I mean, how, how do you go about that? I, I think, you know, you, you start at the top, but then how do you like try to force results or is it just something that just happens organically and then that way it's measured after a month and you see what happens, you know, the coaching that coaching that you do, like, like how, how does that happen exactly? I mean, I would, or how do you measure culture or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so um, you cannot, well, so like I said, culture is what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So you can measure specific behavior. You know how a lot of companies have values and mission? Sure. Um, and it could just be a writing on the wall, right? Like an, a nice website saying these are your values and this is your mission. But what does it really mean? For example, integrity, what does that mean? <laughs> right? So we do have this thing called V2B, an exercise, so value to behavior. So if you say that your res respect is a big value, what does that mean to you, right? Maybe to you, you're being respectful like to everybody already. But then do other people feel that? Like what does respect mean to other people? So you can measure the behavior that you want to see. No, no. I mean, I'm curious, Kelly. I think the the listeners would be curious on how did you stumble upon this type of work, right? Because you know, a lot of people, you know, they want to advise, you know, executives. They want to help shape culture of organizations, but very few people actually are in the opportunity to do that, right? And um, you know, how, how did you stumble upon this, especially knowing kind of your your background here? I mean. What led you to this, um, you know, versus, let's say, going towards uh, the, the normal corporate track where you can, you know, maybe do like, uh, you know, become like a building engineer or, you know, becoming like a director of, or some other Fortune 500 company? Like, how, how did this come to be? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, like, I think thinking back, like, maybe I should have, like, gone to like try to pivot my career to another engineering company that maybe the culture would just like mash a little better like I just thought I just didn't like engineering maybe that's why um I I wanted to like start my own thing uh mm -hmm. and then later it's not until with delivering happiness that I realized it's just like aligning my purpose and culture with the company it doesn't matter if it's like you are working for a company or you're starting your own thing the important thing is that you're finding meaning with your work right so to answer your question with delivering happiness i don't know if it's like serendipity i i, I guess i kind of already told you i started um i i was i started coaching because uh I, I came back to, I moved my whole family to 
uh, Miami to work with my old high school math coach uh, because I used to compete in math and I just thought like something that I might want to do. I seriously had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. You made it sound really good, but it was from, like for me, I just wanted to for once like just do things not for money because mm, mm. going into engineering, it was like, oh, it's the challenging thing is what I'm supposed to do. Like I already know how to code in, from high school. So like that's the easiest path, even though it's the challenging part. Like maybe other people think it's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I went into that. And then the only thing is like within Raytheon, I already found sustainability as like the thing that like, I know that I want to make a positive difference. And that's like the, the positive difference that I, one of the positive difference that I want to make. Right, but then it, I, it still didn't feel right. So then I started my own thing. I was like, maybe the goal is just to not have a job. So then nice. I, so then, but it's not because like I find myself uh, making more money and more money. And then I remember one day I was like doing, doing an Express sheet. Actually, just did that because I had to submit like my, submit to assure like to show my uh, accredited investor. Amount and that yeah because I don't really like look at oh how much do I have right yeah you don't feel any difference like if your bank account have like a few hundred k or like ten thousand dollars or a few thousand dollars versus like two million like you feel the same thing like if anyone like try want to imagine at home like. What does it feel like to be a millionaire? I'm sure like other people that are billionaire, they feel the same way. It's just like you can do more, you have more freedom, right? But then I felt like, well, I'm still doing things that like I don't really want to do. I realized I have more freedom, but I'm still, I, I felt like actually less intellectually stimulated. Do you think that like, people, money buys happiness? Is that an individual thing or do you think that? Money- you can buy freedom options but uh yeah i mean it's definitely not a bad thing to have obviously yeah 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 so i went into coaching because i just want to follow my follow my joy i guess uh because i know that nothing really like if i was gonna like have to fail it's either like winning or like losing but then like I just want to enjoy the process because that's the only thing. There's nothing else. Like, cause even when you reach a goal, when you get up there and that's like, it's just a moment. <laughs> and the next day, just like people that win lottery. Uh-huh. Right. We like, cause you know, because of delivering happiness, I learned that like with lottery a year later, like people don't feel any other happiness level difference. It's the same thing. It doesn't really, change right so back to again back to the question how i got to delivering happiness is when i started to coach math i realized i really enjoy helping people see like more like that they can like we are so powerful because i I see like i let the kids like my first year um math competition Uh (laughs) uh, they got they got first place and i never got first place when i was a kid and and i remember my well my my high school kids told me like my high school teach math teacher's wife told me that i'm like one of the top 
like math teachers that he's seen. And it was like my first year teaching. It was, and I didn't do much. You don't have to do much with kids that are really smart. You just have to show them that they can do it. That's all. It's just like you have to see that you can do it. And, I, and then so then I took a coaching class. I just went on, oh, this is what I want. Like one of my friends told me, maybe you should be a coach. Like coach like adults. I was like, oh, I could do that, you know. And I realized that the same thing for myself is that the reason I went to real estate is not because I'm entrepreneurial. I was just, I bought my first house when I was 21. It's because I've seen my parents do that as waitress and chef. They can buy their own house. They can invest. Why can't I as an engineer do that? So like, that's just another thing because I've seen other people do it. Then I did it. So then I realized like we can do anything we want. All you need is your mindset mm -hmm. and then think, thinking that you can do it, right? The mindset and then knowing the methodology to do it. So just learn about it. Learn from people that's done it before. And then like, and then if you cannot do it or you don't want to do those things, find other people that can do those things and work with you. That's it. It's like so simple, but I mean, <laughs> it's simple, it's not, but it's not easy, right? Sure. So with Delivering Happiness, I really, I just reached out to them. <laughs> I reached out to them and then um, I started writing for them for um, some business because they have a blog. And then like, I think like months later after I started writing for them, um, I asked them, hey, like, I actually would like to work with you guys sometimes. And then, I don't know, it was just like they started rolling out this program and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm interested. And I, I just started working closer and closer. And then I started building trust with them, I think. Um, the entire team is self-managed. So like, we don't really have a boss but this is what you need to do. And like you are, it's, I know it's really weird, right? But like, it's almost like you're, you got hired to do certain thing. And these are like the things that you need to deliver. It's almost like delivering happiness is, it's a customer for me. And I just see that like, that's where a lot of the work is going. A lot of the future work is going. Uh, I think startups are this way. There's a lot of fractional CXO. I, I see on like, like uh. right? Like you can work for multiple startups that way. And and when you retire, I know I'm no people that become like board of that, like, you know, on the board, advisory board, and you just like go to meetings a few times and that's that's a job, quote unquote a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like I like this whole fractional mindset, right? Just because I think this is the maybe a a, a world that a lot of people might not have grown up with, but I think this digital generation seems to have adopted more, right? Of, you know, not having just one. Um, I know I also wrote a blog before where, you know, it's a career portfolio and not a career trajectory. Right? Yes. Multiple things at the same time. So. Yeah. Why is it that we are supposed to just do one thing? Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> One thing. Well, find your one thing. Why does it have to be just one thing? Do you only eat one thing? <laughs> we don't just eat one thing. We we there, there's a lot of stuff in the world. And there, it's okay to like a lot of things, but just know that there's only so many hours in the day as well, and so many days in the year, and just do the things that you like most. 
And it's okay if they're not. We don't. We cannot optimize to the to the things that we don't love most. Then you can never. It's like trying to find a restaurant that you wanna. You know, wanna decide. Oh, what do you wanna have for lunch? Yeah, yeah. Right? So- and then at the end, you look for a long time, and it's like that restaurant's not even open. You know, like just pick something that you that you know you enjoy, and it's know that it's okay. That is not like the best. Mm. The that's your one thing. There's other there are more years and months down the road that you can change, and like that experience is gonna help you to the, do the next thing that you wanna do. Yeah. So Kelly, I wanna kind of segue us to kind of what you know. A lot of the people are probably curious about is where did you get this drive, right? Like where did you get this mindset? Like tell us more about like you know how you grew up, you know, your parents, uh, you know, where does inspiration come from? Because again, uh, you know, we, we, we here in the podcast might think that this is just normal of like thinking of like a portfolio, thinking about like, you know, um, taking risks, taking, trying to be financially dependent, but you know, you embody this, right. And a lot of our listeners definitely want to understand like, where did this come from? Because maybe I haven't got exposed to this. Oh, I think, Earl, like, you're better than you say. <laughs> you are a rock star. You know that. Um, I think it has to do with many things that I see. And I don't, I mean, I think I still have a lot of rooms to improve on. I mean, I definitely see people that, wow, I want to be like them, you know. Um, but growing up, I think being an immigrant is definitely, it's an advantage for me. Um, I don't, you know, growing up kind of poor. Uh, my parents actually had, they they were immigrants. They were refugee, actually, from China to Macau during, like, the Cultural Revolution period. And they had, not, my mom thought when she got to Macau, she would have everything. Like, oh, there's going to be money everywhere. <laughs> I think that's what people think when they come to the U.S. too. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up having to work for, like, two U.S. dollars a day, pretty much. That's like her salary. But she ended up like selling clothes on the street. And I remember seeing her cry when all her clothes got taken away because she wasn't selling. She didn't have the license to sell. And then she saved up enough money. They saved up enough money. They they were making clothes at home. We have like sewing machines at home. I really remember hating my house because it doesn't look like anyone's house. And my and then they started a furniture business, manufacturing business in in China, in mainland China. And I had to uh, stay home alone. That's this this definitely before I was twelve because I moved to the U.S. when I was twelve. Stay home alone with my my little brother a lot, and we were just really independent. We would make breakfast for ourselves, like cook for ourselves, um, but. They, wow. It was because of that business. Like even when we got approved to come to the U.S., it was like taking them a while to come. They didn't want to buy the ticket. I was the one who was like, "Look, I haven't gone to school for like two months because they think that we were gonna move, and they just didn't want to buy the ticket because they wanted like I think they want to save the company." I didn't know much, but I saw there was like a lot of mess. Actually, I was thinking like, "Man, this is like kind of a mess." I mean, I don't know anything, but then we came to the U.S. All of us stay in one room, yeah. in my uncle's room. And but even from there, that I saw my parents. Um, they did not. After that, like they didn't start another business. My mom told me, like she told herself, like I'm gonna work as a foreigner 
for like 10 years. That's my 10-year plan. I'm just going to work as hard as I I can. And then I'm just going to restart or like do something. Um, I mean, they didn't start another business. I think my dad wanted to open a restaurant. Um, Never did again. I think they were in their 40s when they came to the U.S. But I saw, and this is how I'm thinking about my relationship with venture capital and doing syndicate in real estate now because they helped my they help my um, uncle and my auntie to find opportunities in China with their relationships. Uh-huh. So they syndicate deals. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really syndicate, right? Like it's just family, but I can see like, oh, you can pull your funds together and just like build something. You can take your money and, and then they created the value. So they don't didn't invest anything, but then, they let my parents to just like with the profit, they kind of pay on like pay back their share. It's sort of, you kind of do that in real estate, but even better, like you can actually just like get your share right Mm -hmm. away. Like there are different structure you can do, but it's the same way with like, I think venture capital too. It's like you syndicate pool to get pool of money together and then you can invest in a startup. But obviously, it's much more than that because you have to, like, every single domain is different. Real estate is just, like, one domain. And there's already a lot of intricacy that you can do. Like, you can do wholesaling. You can do seller financing. Like, we, like right now, we have a, we bought a house without, uh, so we <laughs> bought a house and then, like, the, the, we, assume, we assume the loan and then we sold the house. And then someone else bought, our, bought the house and they're paying us mortgage and you know like the, but then the mortgage is not under our name like there's like stuff like that in real estate mm-hmm. and then i just see that it's the only reason that i'm doing all that i do is because i've seen other people done it and then i just like oh does that interest me and then i decide to learn about it and then i just do it i think that's the thing like if i want to do it i do it right away versus like thinking about it (laughs) yeah that's a really cool point um yeah i mean so i guess you've you've you've, um dabbled within the real estate world and the venture capital world how's your experience been been with the you know the venture capital world um just uh knowing that uh it's you know really fresh and new it's a new adventure for you how uh, how has uh just learning about all the uh, tiny intricacies of the VC world um, in terms of like uh, getting a fund started and, you know, working on what you've got, got right now with like the, the thing you mentioned, right? Fin- inclusive. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just starting. So I'm a few friends of uh, a few friends and me uh, are starting together. Uh, we're actually looking for investors, probably just 20 of them and what i what i found is this like before uh, learning a whole lot i actually joined different syndicates because i'm a credit investor and i just went to some startup event and then i found out about different things so then i joined them i always wonder like how how do you do this and i always i used to think you need to be like mr wonderful like right like Uh. you know (laughs) Like I watched Shark Tank. It's like, oh, how do you do this? Like, what do they mean by, by all these uh, like vocabulary? And like Earl actually like recommended me to like read 
either read venture d or 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 do the class i don't remember okay. so like that's one thing that i did um and i think a lot of it is like just even learning the vocabulary really helped because like it's actually quite simple like the financing part just knowing how it works but obviously like doing the actual thing and knowing like how how much it things should be worth is a lot more difficult and and i think that takes a lot of like looking at the same thing over and over again and then like comparing right when you see when you do it a lot then it's like in you and then the other thing that i found is that it's a really relationship based industry and you just like all about who you know and it's similar to real estate investing too in a way and then that's why it's also like in commercial real estate it's all men as well uh it's really hard to just apply for a job i can see that because like you're just investing money you're not creating anything so if i hire you to just analyze an investment like that's not really work you're not really producing anything so that's why there're not that many positions in VC. Um so I think on the side like so I will still like I probably look for jobs in VC in an established fund uh to like do a year to or like maybe apply for like inv- uh like a investing partner position. But I'm also going to start my own thing and and look for my own LPs and just invest that way uh to the reason why I would want to do with a more established fund is mainly to gain my network, to grow my network that way and also to just learn like what the big big firms do. Yeah. But I think like if you're smaller then like you can also learn a lot like doing it yourself. Do you, do you think that uh, building relationships has been I don't know more challenging or less or you know there's more is it is it uh easier to do over digitally like over over non-in-person meetings since we're in the covid world yeah to me it's easier and from what i heard it's actually easier during covid to build new relationship but it's harder for internal team to kind of stay uh to build their culture like if you have a big team because like if you're in in the office all the all the time together then like just that uh, I guess little moments of trust building just because you like you know that person you see them then that's like that's huge already but then building new relationship because everybody is stuck at home then they're way more open to talk to you because they they're like by themselves and they want connection anyway so yeah yeah do you think that follow up here do you think that uh since we're like in a totally digital environment that it's going to be harder once everything goes back to normal, if it does to, to build relationships. Cause uh, I was just thinking like every, um, the, 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 the year has been a lot of uh, isolation, right. And a lot of uh, no more gathering, like not no more mass gatherings or like no more, you know, you'll go to an event and you'll meet like 10 people that, share common interests doing that all virtually through like a zoom or like through a just virtual networking. Do you think that uh, there's some things that are just not possible through virtual um, virtual engagement that, that the human side of uh, business is necessary? Um, I think a romantic relationship, then like that would be <laughs> a, an, an obstacle 
Uh, but I mean, even in like corporate world, like I've had team, I've worked with teams and that teams that are that I've never seen uh, before. But I think what's difficult is like actually building in a little bit of like intentional time for for those like water cooler talk, like actual like. So what we do sometimes at DH is that we would uh, have PEC, personal emotional connection exercise. So that. it's like really guided. Like we would ask, like we would have some sort of exercise or just like some coaching questions. And you're just, there's like, or like we could do like listening questions and you're just like following those guidelines. And then you, you build a lot of trust that way. And <laughs> I've have, I've cried through like some of these. And I think like in order uh, at the beginning of the call, mm-hmm. um, Mm. That doesn't help you, and and it, you can pick like a regular meeting that you have your for your team. That doesn't really help you with um, uh, making the that particular call more efficient. Uh-huh. But that's gonna help you with the entire project and pro- or program that you're running, because people are gonna like each other a lot more. Yes, yeah, so and you get to know each other a lot more. So so for again personal emotional connection, right? Yeah. So yeah, PEC, personal emotional connection. So uh, it could be just like a listening exercise that you do and then you can do breakout rooms for people and give them like coaching questions to ask one another and like give them really specific instructions. Or it could be you can create like an Excel spreadsheet, ask a bunch of questions on there and then people can fill out. And then, or after the breakout room, like different things you can come up with, like, you know, or after the breakout women come out and like, hey, who heard something that's like really insightful that like you learned a lot about that person or like gave you like a new insight and then you share with the team. So it's also like a like a team growth, team building and like growth exercise because mm. in a way, yeah, because then, you know, like there's a lot of like team building exercise that you can do like one time and that's it, right? Yeah. But, you know, trust and team is really built over time. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing some people at, like, my previous job, like, there would be, like, build a, build, like, a gingerbread house or, like, something like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> try a baking exercise or something, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or you can cook some pasta noodles or something, right? <laughs> like, I've seen that as well. Yeah. Uh, so we, we typically end uh, our podcast with these three standard questions. So um, for the audience, just to remind again, it's like, you know, what, how do you summarize your own startup mindset in one or two sentences? Um, next one is, you know, what's your advice your 20-year-old self? That actually is the favorite of our audience, right? And then the last one is your resources, books, etc. cetera, um, to do okay. that. So maybe we'll start first with question number one. Um, okay. If you had to summarize your startup mindsets in one or two sentences, how would you frame that? Yeah, I would say listening to your wisdom from within because you already know what you want and then galvanize the a purpose that's bigger than yourself. Mm. That's I think that's a startup mindset. We're not no longer leading people, we're leading movements. Not serving yourself and serving people. You're you're creating movements. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. And also kind of figuring out it from within, right? Um, versus having the externalities to 
kind of validate you. Um, my, my, you know, my, my, my next question uh, is uh, if you kind of take, take yourself back again uh, to being, you know, uh, a fresh grad or just about to graduate from college, typically around 20 years old, um, and you meet Kelly at <laughs> 20, 20 years old, what would you tell her in order for her to discover this startup mindset that you just told us? Yeah, I think um, maybe just like you're already at the level that you're supposed to be, you know, like everything's okay. Like you can slow down. Um, and then something else that I would tell myself is that like that you can really do anything you want. Uh, so no need to figure out like what are you supposed to do. Just figure out what you want to do first, who you want to be first. And then you can, once you figure that out, all that other stuff will figure itself out. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, I guess I think the last thing we ask is what's, what's the book or film that you... Yeah, I have to say Delivering Happiness, man. Like, I like, a, <laughs> there's a lot of books, but like, uh, out there, but I gotta represent our brand, Delivering Happiness. Uh, yeah, so that's the book that I would recommend, especially if you're an entrepreneur trying to build something or like you have a purpose that you want to pursue and you can see, like, I don't know, just even like reading Tony's journey on like how much he's willing to risk. And like, and I remember him saying before uh, that, you know, success to him is that like he's okay with losing everything he has and he still feels okay. So, so I think that's, uh, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, not a lot of like, I, I don't know, like maybe there's lessons too in there, but it's just like resonating journey, like his journey. I think a lot of people would still find it like kind of, oops, sorry. You have to edit that out. I think a lot of people would, would still find a lot of um, that they still find resonating. And also it's pretty, pretty timeless, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I dig that uh, ad, advice. Um, anything else from you or all? Or? No, I mean, I just wanted to uh, uh, thank Kelly here for being our special guest in our Startup Mindset podcast. I think we learned a lot uh, today. Uh, at least I learned a lot on just, you know, how to think about kind of myself to discover that. And this notion of just like, you can do anything you want is, is something special. I think that most of our listeners really gravitate towards. So uh, thank you for sharing your own startup mindsets with us. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, any, any uh, words or at least Kelly on where they can find you, where they can find delivering happiness so that our audience can uh, learn more about it. Yeah. Uh, you can go to our website, deliveringhappiness.com, and we're on all the social media. And you can even send me an email if you want to connect, uh, kelly at deliveringhappiness.com, or look me up on LinkedIn. It's just Kelly Lay. So. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did you want to talk about uh, the Finclusive thing? Or the... I'm trying to think, actually. Maybe I should mention it. Yeah, I should mention it, right? Like, um, Okay, so... Yeah, so I'm also starting a syndicate group together because uh, we really want to... The reason why I invest in these uh, startups and also real estate, I don't invest in stock market. I think uh, 
Uh, my family members, they have advisor and they do those kind of things. But I do these two because these are things that I can actually evaluate and I can learn. I like to learn about. So I'm really for being educated with what you're investing in. So that's what sort of inclusive is for me is allowing people, even with like small amount, if you want to invest in startup, it's, it's not just for like the super, super wealthy, like, maybe you can and you just don't know yet like maybe you're a credit investor you don't know or like maybe you know you can you have a lot more value than you think you do uh you can add value to startup than than you think more value to startup than you think think you do so uh so we're looking for investors to invest alongside with us and so we we will only show deals that we invest in and yeah, and we want to really be helpful to all the founders that we invest in. So right now, our uh, right now is fintechs and climate techs are the two areas that we have expertise within our team uh, that we want to uh, focus on right now. But I'm hoping that this could grow into something bigger. For sure, that that does it for episode 19 of Star Mindsets.